This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. So I got a bunch of shit to talk about with you this week. Uh, probably won't be that long because it's only two games. And I just posted staff picks. It's kind of crazy. Did you know that for the first time ever, four of us have the same best bet? And we almost had the exact same picks and best bet across the board, except that Pianowski took the Packers and made the Titans his best bet. But besides Pianow, who also took the Titans, everybody took Titans, Niners, Niners best bet, the other four. Yeah, I've been looking for you, waiting for you to post that. So I did check that out right before we started recording here. And it's I, I, actually a little bit surprising to me that that's the first time ever, considering, you know, there are only two games every every time this well, every year. Not counting Super Bowls. Not counting Super right, Bowls, okay. obviously, because there's just one game. Yeah, well, but, I hate that. Well, I mean, I hate, I hate that to hear that about all, all over the Niners. I mean, I don't, I don't like the fact that they blew out the Packers the first time and, and now everyone making that. I don't, I don't love that. Don't be a nutless monkey. As, as a Niner fan. Don't be well, you know, things usually don't go the way everyone expects. I mean, that's just the way these things work. So I, I really, I am not the type of person that actually hates hates to hear that. But, but I guess it was. Uh, oh no, you're saying Pinau did have the Packers, so he didn't. He didn't have. Um, so, it, so that didn't that didn't happen at least. Okay, all right, gotcha. Right, and I mean the line's only seven and a half. It's not like that blowout, which was what 38, 37 to eight, yeah. is being reflected in the line. So people don't think that it's necessarily going to go that way. It's just us. It's just our staff. Right, the public right. has this line at seven and a half. That's not that big of a line for a road team. If they were but equal, did, it would be three. Didn't it open at seven, though? So maybe the money has been on the Niners. I mean, D Ford wasn't even in that first game, too, by the way. But um, I know, and I've listened to you on XM, you think that they just look like a mismatch on paper. Um, uh, I haven't really, you know, what, what do you think the general narrative is? You think the people that are out there are still giving them the, a chance despite the, the line movement, you're saying? Dude, it's seven and a half. It's not 13. The Giants-Patriots Super Bowl was 14. You know, there's big lines out there, even in big-time Super Bowl or conference championship games. This line's seven and a half. If they were equal teams, it would be three. You know, it would be three. So they're only saying they're four and a half points better on a neutral field, five points better on a neutral field, and they beat them 37 to eight. So clearly the magnitude of that blowout is not being priced into this game. Maybe it's influencing it a little bit. But it's, you know, most people are kind of shrugging it off thinking, well, Niners are better, but, you know, the Packers have a shot. You know, a seven and a half point spread is a 25, 30% shot. But I think this line should be 10, 11, and I think the Niners are going to kill them. And, you know, the thing about, I didn't even, I don't even care about the Chiefs Titans first game. I didn't even use that in my write up in beating the book because mm-hmm. it's, it rematches, yeah, whatever. I, usually it don't matter. It's a small sample, one game, a lot of variants. Like, don't, don't worry about it. It could go either way. But the thing about samples is it's not just the size of the sample, it's the magnitude also. We've talked about this. It's like, well, if a player gets hot for a month, hits 300 in the majors with eight home runs, eh, that's good, but like it's a month. I mean, who knows? It could just be getting lucky or running hot. But if a player hits 450 with 30 home runs in a month, yeah, he's not going to do that all year, but he's probably a superstar. He's probably a you know, an MVP waiting to happen if a player in his first month in the majors does something like that. So the magnitude of the sample is the other variable. It's not just the size. And the Niners killed them. They won 37-8, to eight, and their turnover margin was only plus one. They held Rodgers to 3.2 YPA, not including the 38 yards of sacks that he took. He was down to like 2.2 YPA, you know, adjusted YPA if he counted sacks. So they completely shut them down. And the Niners had a breeze of a game last week, barely broke a sweat. 
The Packers were life and death in the fourth quarter. Their defense on the field, now they got to travel. I, I'm very confident about this. Yeah, and, and really it's another small sample, but the two worst games, arguably, the Packers played all year were the two West Coast trips. Like they tried to change right. their travel after coming up completely flat against the Chargers, and obviously it didn't work against the Niners. So for whatever that's worth, they, worth they've been terrible on those. But the Packers have not lost since that Niners uh, blowout. And I could point to the example of, you know, the Jets and Patriots, uh, uh, you know, relatively recently a, a blowout in the regular season and then the rematch in the postseason outcome completely different. But but I hear you. I mean, on, on paper, the night and again, D four didn't even play in that first game and they're they're healthy and uh, they look uh, they look to be. Uh, yeah, they look, they, their defense looks especially tough when healthy. Can I circle back to the Mike McCarthy hiring, considering the Packers got the two seed are in the conference championship game. And what was everyone's fantasy people complain about Aaron Jones? Oh, you unleash him. He leads the NFL in touchdowns despite Aaron Jones. I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers not even playing that well. Just a weird hiring, right? I mean, McCar- I've heard the, the, the pros, but just think of what the Packers have done the one year after he moves with a rookie coach. I mean, Aaron, Rod- Aaron Jones led the NFL in touchdowns. Imagine that. Yeah. Although the Packers are not 13 and three good. They have won tons of close games. They were very lucky to escape Seattle. I mean, Malik Turner holds on to that pass. Or idiotic Pete Carroll, instead of punting, goes for it on 4th and 11. I think Russell Wilson scores this touchdown. I mean, I think they get there. There's plenty of time. There's a minute left at the 50 when Malik Turner dropped that pass. Or at least, maybe there's two minutes. I can't remember. But it was, you know, there's plenty of time. They had timeouts. The time wasn't even an issue. They uh, stormed yeah. back in the second half against them in their own building. The Packers just aren't that good. Yeah, and I agree. Their beating... roster isn't that good, so that's even more my argument. The coaching has gotten this well, far, maybe. I could take it that way. But seriously, what's up with Pete Carroll? And the, there was one drive. They had three straight runs with Lynch and a punt, I believe. Obviously, they punted with, what, fewer than three minutes left in fourth and 11. Uh, when they're, he, he, he treats the game as if his defense is his team's strength, when obviously it's quite the opposite. I mean, it, what, what are your thoughts on him? Obviously, he does a lot of things well coaching, but it's kind of malpractice, right? Like, he's, if you look at the, the way that team's been outscored in recent uh, playoff like that game in Carolina in the first quarter, second quarter, it's just been unbelievable until they're forced, they're forced their hand to turn to Wilson. Carroll is obviously doing something right. Like the way he preps things, the way he gets the team up for the games. He's done it for a long time. Obviously having Russell Wilson on the rookie contract was unfair and that was a huge advantage, but even Russell Wilson getting the full money, maybe he's just so good that he's worth double that. And, and Carroll's just kind of riding his coattails, but I think he probably does other things well, gets the team prepared, motivated. But yeah, I, and I'm also like, I don't, I think like the, the people who are just arguing that running the ball is stupid, they just sound dumb. You know, when you, when you watch Derrick Henry and instead of saying, well, this is an exception, this is a team where the running back does matter to try to just act as though, you know, that's regression, statistical anomaly, whatever. That just, you just sound dumb. You know, instead of saying, yeah, usually it's the case that the passing game is more important, the quarterback's more important, and most of the time that's what you should you know, try for, what you should game plan around, but there are exceptions. That's a rational way to look at what's happening. That's publicizing you have a faulty stat is what you're doing with that. If, you know what I mean? Right. Honestly, that's just like showing that you have a fault. Your stat needs to be looked well, at. That's what that feels to me more than anything. Yeah, denying reality to defend your model is just a really bad look. You should always be accepting reality into your model and saying, you know, the model works 90% of the time. There are these oddball teams where the running is more important or something. You know, you, you can figure it out. But trying to squeeze reality into your religion or your extreme take is it's just stupid. So I always defend the Derrick Henry teams and the Titans and running the ball, but uh, there's no defending Pete Carroll and running Lynch behind a banged-up offensive line First down, second down, predictable. In the second half, of course, when they stormed back, they were play action on first down and throwing right away. And of course, they were succeeding because they have the best quarterback, you know, one of the best quarterbacks ever playing. But the fact that they were just doing that, it was just beyond stupid. It was like, what are you doing? You're just squandering downs and then putting Russell Wilson in obvious pass situations. It was beyond belief. And yeah, it was malpractice. I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, it was just stupid. Some things are just stupid and there's no defending yeah, as a 49ers fan, I was definitely rooting to face the Packers. Again, it's maybe it's careful what you wish for, but Russell Wilson, I mean, it's life and death both games. I mean, I don't care. No lead is safe either is a tough thing with him. So 
happy to uh to avoid him but um we'll see uh hey, listen i'd love to hear I'll, I'll be i'll be there but thing is man i got a sick kid uh, mason just turned three years old has a temperature now the wife's getting sick so doing my vet my best to avoid my family so i don't stay sick for the conference you know priorities you know my sick family i have to avoid them but man i hope i'm not too sick for this but uh you're expecting a blowout in, in, in that game i hear uh, what about the afc though with that 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 one i could see either way i wouldn't be shocked if the chiefs blow them out but or an upset i mean the titans i'm with you that Derrick Henry, it's a real thing. I mean, he's the best player on a team that made it uh, this this one game away from the Super Bowl. I, I have a 30-31-24 Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are definitely going to score points. Like, they're definitely going to put up close to 30. I don't see the Titans stopping them. But I think that the Titans will also put up points. Chris Jones is very iffy for the game. They're missing this guy, really Juan Thornhill, who was a safety, who apparently was really good for them. And their secondary did look shaky against the Texans. There were a lot of guys open and Deshaun Watson had hours to throw. So I think that Tannehill is going to have a good game. AJ Brown's going to have a good game. John U. Smith, maybe Corey Davis. I think the whole Titans offense is going to move the ball well too. I just think that when push comes to shove, as good as Henry is and as efficient as Tannehill has been, the Chiefs Mahomes offense is just better. And both defenses are pretty mediocre. So that they're going to both go up and down the field, but when push comes to shove, the Chiefs are going to score one more touchdown. That's sort of my prediction. What an insane game last week. I was going nuts. Is uh, you know someone holding that Niners at forty to one ticket? I mean, the Pats are out, the Saints are out, the Ravens are out, nearly the Chiefs are out. I mean, that was crazy. Uh, were you at the time? I don't know if you watch it live or whatever, but what did you think of the 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 Bill O'Brien? You know, do you go for the throat? Do you go up 20, 28 oh, nothing? Was... Obviously, in hindsight, when the kickoff is so bad too in return, it's like you would have rather gone for it and not gotten the first down or the touchdown, or, you know, the first down, right. than than made the field goal. You know, you would have rather that than made the field goal. So, so at the time, were you going crazy? I mean, I, I wanted the Chiefs to win, but. I thought he had to go for it. I mean, not only would he, he was on the 13-yard line, not only do you you know, go for the touchdown and go up 28 nothing, but you get a first down, the clock runs another 40 seconds, you run a couple more plays before scoring your touchdown, hopefully, maybe another minute and a half or two go out of the second quarter. It's just, you got to just kill them. You can't kick the field goal and give them the easy victory. You know, it's still three scores. You know how fast they can score. Obviously, the disasters that happened afterward, you couldn't predict. I had no problem with him faking the punt. I mean, fourth and four is a go for it down by the math. In mo- You know, anytime you're outside your 20. Break a score. tackle. You know, break a tackle. Yeah. One-on-one. Break a ta- well, not even that. It was just a good play by the defender. I mean, yeah, sure. you know, yeah. he, he was a good call. But it's just fourth and four. Even if they just went for it straight up and didn't fake, would have been fine. Because that game went up to 80. The total was 82. So you you don't want to punt it back to the Chiefs ever, and so I, I'm fine with the fake. That to me was although no he problem. had to I be think... talked into punting. Remember, he was he almost wanted to punt at the end, which had really been an inexcusable uh, O'Brien. Oh, you know that terrible. And he burned a timeout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even even Jim Nance was like, "Well, they have to go for it here," <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah. he's punting. His, and if Jim Nance is saying you have to go for it, I mean, he's just the prototypical nutless monkey. For him to be like, "Well, you have to go for it." Uh, and then Bill O'Brien to just be in like autopilot mode, like, oh, it's fourth down, time to punt. And Deshaun Watson looking at him like, dude, like down 17 in the fourth quarter, like, what are you thinking? And then they had to burn a timeout. But I mean, it's, I'm not going to dunk on uh, Bill O'Brien anymore than he's already been dunked on. I mean, that's low hanging fruit. Yeah, no, crazy. The Chiefs ended up boring. It's boring to talk about. It's boring to talk about that. You know what annoys me? It's like in Twitter, all these analytics guys, a lot of them are really smart. But they dunk on Gettleman. Gettleman tried to explain why it's important to run the ball and stop the run. And he cited, he's like, well, the teams that ran the ball with the most yards rushing, the top four rushing teams are all in the playoffs, and the top four passing teams are all out of it. And everybody with half a brain knows that right, the one, you know, yeah. if when you're ahead, you run more. When you're behind, sometimes you have to throw more. And so that the total yard is not the, it's not the right metric. But that doesn't mean he was wrong that, the run is important and stopping the run is important. It just, he's wrong about his explanation as to why. And they're just right. dunking on him about the, you know, about the ex, like he doesn't realize that total rushing yards is something related to winning, not co- the cause of winning, which everybody yeah. knows. But they just, it's like they just go for the lowest hanging fruit. I see these guys and they pick the weakest arguments, the weakest proponents 
of the opposite of what they're saying. The weakest proponents. You got to run the ball. You got to establish that, you know, just without evidence saying stuff like that or things like Gettleman, like using a, a bad explanation that clearly doesn't explain it, getting the cause and effect reversed, and then citing that and then dunking on it and acting like, see how superior I am. It's just such... It's just fucking weak, man. Pick on a strong argument against yours. Find a strong argument on the other side and take that on. Debate that. That will win over converts. This dunking stuff, it's I, they're just the same thing over and over. They never take on a good argument against them. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I hear you. Uh, it's crazy that Casey How boring actually covered... is that? It's, it's just know. also boring. It's like, what ground are you, what new ground are you breaking with this? I don't know. Damian Williams, where was that all all year long? Can I complain about um, uh, crazy that Casey actually covered that game too? You know, I mean that that's well, no, pretty I, wild. I started off like, oh yeah, someone I tweeted Casey us to win, yeah. and then yeah. I was like, when it, when would it, it be greedy to ask yeah, for the yeah. cover when it was like, you know, twenty four fourteen? I was like, would it get? Am I getting too greedy to ask for the cover? Then I was like, damn it, Mahomes should have got a sixth passing touchdown. This is BS. When they when they handed it to Damian Williams in the in the end. Yeah, so I, I got greedier us, and like, greedier, you know? Yeah. Someone tweeted us, like, is it KC minus three now when they were down 14 nothing? I wasn't sure if he meant, like, live odds or, like, total. Are they minus 17? Because I, I think that really was uh, – would, wouldn't have been crazy. And they ended up covering the original line. So, yeah, no, crazy. I was getting – yeah, I was getting greedy, too. I had some, some, KC, some KC guys going for sure in, uh, in lineups. But um, – all right, so what, uh, what, do you want to, what do we have? We have the Titans and the Niners both. We've been very similar in the playoffs and doing, doing well so far. Yeah, you're 6-2 and two on 5-3. and three. I think you did better in the wild card week. There was one game. I think it was, oh, it was the Bills-Texans we had flipped, which is... Oh, it's totally lucky. the right side. Yeah. But, uh, you're 6-2 and two on 5-3. and three. But we had last week and this week, we've had the exact same picks and best bet. But I feel very strongly about the Niners, and I'll, I'll, I'll jinx you even further. I talked to Rufus about this, and we got in a little disagreement on the radio show. I don't know if you heard the segment, but you know, I have this theory that for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, the elite defenses always smash in the Super Bowl. And this is not obvious before the fact. Tampa Bay was an underdog in 2002 to the Raiders, killed them. The Giants were massive underdogs against the Patriots. Not that they had an all-time defense per regular season, but they had Tuck and OC and Michael Strahan going all out. And then in 2011, same thing. They had Tuck and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul crushing by the time the playoffs got around in 2011. The Broncos beat the favored Panthers, killed them easily. The Seahawks annihilated the 55-touchdown pass Peyton Manning Broncos. The Montana Niners killed the uh, Marino Dolphins. The Marino Dolphins were like Pat Mahomes times 10 relative to the league at that time. Marino had 48 touchdown passes. The guys would lead the league with like 24 back then. So it was like insane uh, how uh, prolific the Dolphins were. The Giants, the Bills had just beat the Raiders 51 to 3, that first Bills team. And the Giants barely beat the Niners. They were a defensive team. They built, they not only covered, but they beat the Bills outright. Time after time, the defense overperforms in the Super Bowl, an elite defense. And I said that to Rufus. He's like, oh, it's a small sample because I only remembered like two or three of them, four or five. Oh, the Patriots being the, the greatest show on turf in 2001. The Titans in 1999 with a good defense, barely losing but covering. Or maybe it was a push to the greatest show on turf, but held them way below their season average. The defenses just tend to step up in the playoffs, the, the elite defenses. And uh, so we got into it, and you know, we were going back and forth, and he, just, he, he, he didn't really take it that seriously because he thought it was too small of a sample. But I forgot to argue, and, and it's true, that the magnitude of the sample, I mean, I was, when, when I was talking about the Seahawks-Broncos, I was like positive the Seahawks would win. I bet Seahawks minus 10, even though they were getting three or whatever they were getting on alternate lines. And to see it happen after, and, and you know, to see Denver cover over the favored Panthers and win pretty easily, it's like the magnitude has been big. It's not just, oh, they've covered by an average of a point or two, or they've outperformed they have smashed. And so it's not just there's a sample of 10 or 12 games like this. It's 10 or 12 games where the defense is crazily outperformed what it was supposed to. And so to me, it's, it's bettable. It's not just you know, a random 12 samples where it's slightly went that way. So I, not only do I think the Niners are going to smash the Packers, but when they face the Chiefs, who are going to be probably favored by, Rufus said he'd make a Chiefs minus three on a neutral field, that will be. I think the Niners are going to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl also. So 
that's that, my yeah, that's a, extra jinx for you. <clears throat> that surprised me a little bit when I heard Chiefs minus three. I thought that'd be more of a of a pick 'em. Um, but yeah, I did hear this segment, and it didn't help your cause of you having to come off at the top of your head. I mean, it made it tougher and almost seemed like a smaller sample. It was smaller, but I, I mean, I've lived through this last decade with you, and every time you have pointed it out. It's not like you made a great point. Like, you know, if that had happened, they wouldn't have been an historic defense. And you're like, no, I would have considered it a, a you know a check mark against this theory um, because you have always said it beforehand, and it has so far. Right. It's come I wrote true. it up yeah, in your columns. I'm like, I'm, I go through it. I'm like, that's why the Seahawks are not letting them cover. They're going to win outright, and they're going to you know decisively beat the Broncos. And they fucking killed them. And I was like, holy shit, you know. And then the Denver Carolina one, I didn't even believe it. Denver sucked. They barely got by in the playoffs. I read my write-up for that. I was 2-8 and eight in the playoffs. I had a bad regular season against the spread. I'm like, I'm going with this defense thing. But, man, Carolina destroyed Arizona, who was a really good team in the regular season. And the uh, the Broncos barely got by. There was the Steelers or the Pats, like barely. And they were underdogs, and they smashed the Panthers in the Super Bowl. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. It's obviously not weather. Rufus was like, well, in the playoffs, maybe defense matters more than weather. He's like, but, you know, the, Super obviously Bowl. the Super Bowl, it's perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not that. It's you know, the two weeks, the magnitude of the game, the I don't know what, like the, but for whatever reason, the defense is smashed, and there's only one really good defense left in the playoffs. Now, they don't always smash in the championship game, but I just think this is the best matchup for them, and they're going to smash for other reasons. And I think if they get to the Super Bowl, man, I am just so all in on the Niners in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and comparing your favorite stat, DVOA, you know, their defense is pretty strong historically and especially when fully healthy. But you're really trying to jinx your fellow podcaster here. Uh, you know, I have a niece who moved to Miami a couple months ago and I have not even looked into Super Bowl tickets. So you're killing me here. This is going to be a miserable. Packers uh, are definitely going to win now. I'm more convinced after listening to you. Let's move on. Let's actually hear with your jinxing. Talk Jason Garrett interviewing for the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Have you heard this list? Yeah, I was posting on Twitter. I mean, I just kind of joke. I don't know that that means he's going to get the job. Jason Garrett's one of those guys that's in. He's classy. He's in with the, everybody. Everybody likes Jason Garrett. So, of course, he's going to get an interview. And I actually think it would be bad to hire him even to clean the urinals in the locker room. But I, he might, as offensive coordinator, not be that terrible. You know, there's a lot of coaches who are much better coordinators. You don't have an NLM making the fourth down down and distance decisions and who knows you know i mean maybe he can mix it up a little bit certainly the cowboys offense was more dynamic this year when kellen moore was calling the plays they actually went downfield and dak really had a massive year as a passer and i would hope garrett being the 21st century calling plays if, if they do even hire him but it's a lot less worrisome as a coordinator than a coach yeah, I had to bring that up, though, especially uh, yeah, the reports just happened, too. Um, what else? A couple things. You said you had a lot of shit, so get to yours. The only thing I had written down, to the Michael Thomas supposedly played with a broken hand, he claims, during that game. So I don't know how much that actually affected the outcome. Antonio Brown, I don't know if you've seen him. He's gone completely off the deep end. And Joe Burrow went nuts. So I don't know if you watched any of the championship games. Pretty much the most college football I watched all year. Um, and, yeah, any, any of that. Astros stuff, that, that obviously that, too. What, what else? So, what you, you know, uh, my friend's wife is good friends with the wife of Jeff Lunau. I, I know her a little bit. I, I've hung out with really? her a couple of times, like at the wedding, at the wedding and stuff. So he was like, you know, and I'm not going to say her name, but you know, so-and-so's husband, he's getting, you know, and, and he didn't think it was a big deal, but I was like, dude, they just, he didn't real he didn't know he's not like following it that closely. But I was like, dude, you Darvish gave up like eight runs in a world series game and took him a year and a half to get his confidence back. I mean, you're cheating somebody, you're defrauding. It would be like if I defrauded you to give me money on something that I was pretend venture I was doing and like laugh my ass off while I just pocketed the money. Like you're taking, you know, his future earnings away. You're kind of, you're cheating him. I mean, it's, it's truly a fraud when you cheat in a sport where the stakes are that high. So I think it's serious. I'm glad they, those guys got canned. And I just wish in other areas like politics that people got in just as much trouble as, as the Astros did. Good riddance to those guys. That's, that's bad. Yeah, it seems like some coaches got off. Whatever. And Alex Cora has gone, too, from the Red Sox. But, uh, yeah, no, I expected it to be pretty severe uh, penalties. And I guess that's the biggest fine they could have, a couple at first and second rounder. And, yeah, losing your GM and your manager. I and mean, that's pretty, pretty hardcore. Um, 
That's crazy. So yeah, you have to have some inside info. Unless did you know that you know this this cheating was going on? Did I know that it was going on? Yeah, with your Lunau connection. No, I wish I wish no. I did. I would have drafted more Astros last year. I would have. <laughs> no, there's some crazy like the. Yeah, there's, there's like pretty crazy. Like I saw one graph about their the the whole the, the their strikeout to walk ratio compared to the rest of the league is like really stood out. And obviously, there's some like nine game sample in the postseason or whatever home road splits or whatever. But uh, I don't know. It's pretty. Was Trevor pretty Bauer crazy. talking about about their spin rate also about the pitchers. Like he was saying stuff before about them. Do you remember that? I know. Yeah, I do remember that. But how does I don't know how that factors in here. But absolutely, he accused him of, of that a while ago. Yeah, he was on this but what, for sure. But what by what mechanism did he allege that they were cheating to get better spin rates, like scuffling the ball, or what was what was what did he think they were doing? That is a good question. I don't know. Yeah, is there a different type of grip? Or yeah, I don't know. But their spin rates magically. I, I know Garrett Cole actually threw, just threw his four-seamer a lot more, but yeah, he alleged that there was more, there was some secret but sauce. Everybody in the Astros, like, maybe it was like an analytics thing where they improved a grip and it was legit, but Bauer seemed to think they were doing something shady. And yeah, and then now, now this. Once you're willing, it's like when Sammy Sosa's corked bat exploded, the idea that he might be on roids got a lot more credibility because <laughs> if you're willing to cheat, yeah. you're willing to cheat. So if someone's accusing you of cheating... And you deny it, and people are like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they're just smarter than you. But then they're actually busted for really cheating. Then you think, ah, let's go revisit that other cheating. Because once you're willing to cheat, you're obviously willing to cheat. So it's certainly not, you're not impugning their integrity. You're just wondering whether they did it in this particular instance. Yeah. No, no. They, they, yeah. They were going to the extra 3%, that Astros team. So, uh, curious. Extra 3%. What, are, are you going to make any, uh, changes to, uh, Alex, your Alex Bregman projection? And uh, that's actually a serious question. Should, uh, should people who do projection systems, uh, in any way factor that in? Obviously, how could you? Well, I mean, so I thought Dave Potts posted something on Twitter saying that Bregman was better on the road. And I think the cheating was mostly at home. So that maybe Bregman is the exception, but I don't know. Maybe you can look at home road splits for some of these guys and see which ones are most extreme. You know, Jordan Alvarez, as great as he was, how much of that was fake? Jose Altuve, he won batting titles, like hit for power suddenly as a little guy. How long has the cheating been going on for? It's really kind of... Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's kind of gross. Like, like the stakes are high. Like, there's fantasy baseball, there's real baseball, there's World Series, there's Darvish's contract, there's all the things that at stake, and... You know, the integrity game isn't just some bullshit like, you know, when people congratulate people for awards, congratulations. By the way, our podcast, I don't think won. Yeah. So I was going to say that next. That's yeah. bullshit. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, but, you know, people can go, oh, congratulations for your award. That's all bullshit, right? Like all that, there's so many virtues, so much virtue signaling out there. It's so much like, oh, this is the integrity of the game. They just use phrases like that. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You, you don't know what you're talking about. But there's a real integrity of the game. Not like for somebody to sit there and grandstand about it, but like actually the game being real, the game being meaningful, the game being a product of skill. And if you fuck with that, then you're, you're undermining everything that's derived from the game. The fans, the enjoyment, fantasy sports, analyzing the game. I mean, it fucks everything. I mean, those guys are fucking killing the golden goose. You know, you're killing the golden goose. Cheating just fucks the whole thing. And I, you know, it's happening in a larger way with the Fed, and that's a much bigger conversation. Printing money, it, it fucks with the system that apportions value. And we just can't be screwing up 
the organic way of value. Value is measured by base hits and walks and runs and outs and strikeouts. If you start to fuck with or distort the measurement of value, you're destroying the the whole language of the game, the whole the integrity of the game. And it's like they should be banned. I mean, cheating, you should be banned. I mean, it's a serious, serious thing. It's not a lightweight, oh, come on, they stole some signs. You know, it was against the rules. There's a huge advantage for doing it systematically and not piecemeal where you, you know, are on second base and you catch a pattern or something, which that's up to them to hide. But systematically, every single team, they had it for. It wasn't some loose pitcher that was tipping pitches. What are your thoughts on taking away the trophy then? What are your thoughts on that? I think they should take it away. I mean, you can't give it to the Dodgers or whatever because I guess you could, but it's gonna. It's not like Dodger fans aren't going to have the excitement of winning. It's just it ruins it. It's a null and void event. The most important thing is the World Series. I mean, it's so sick, you know, for their petty little achievements. Oh, analytics, we're so smart. Look, we are so smart. We won the World Series, and then it's all based on a lie. It's terrible. It's it's more terrible than the discussion around it is giving you credit for because it's not like, Oh, it's so, t- you, you know, you're, you didn't murder anybody or whatever, but the only thing going for the game is, is the, is the authenticity of it. And if you distort that, I mean, you're killing the golden goose, man It's really dangerous to do shit like that. Yeah, no, it's super annoying. I'm glad they were uh, caught. And I'm curious if that, I don't know, stops future incidents. I don't know, but um, definitely, definitely crazy though. Uh, we did lose, I believe. I just saw that before the FSGA is going on in Las Vegas. Right now, the Action Network podcast, I believe, one of the best sports betting podcast radio show. Uh, very brutal list. Uh, a tough one, tough one. Uh, any news from Las Vegas? I'm sure the Rotowire crew cleaned up as usual with some awards. I think we won some stuff, but I honestly don't give a shit. I mean, it's been good to us since we have so many writers and submit so much shit and we win a ton. Uh, so I guess it's good marketing. But like, I just... I really don't care about any of this stuff. I was watching some of these veterans not get into the Hall of Fame. Drew Pearson, if you saw his video, he's very upset. And uh, I guess Cliff Branch didn't get in posthumously. I mean, he's dead. Who gives a shit? But point is, all this stuff where you're like trying, it reminds me of like my, uh, my second cousin a while back, like 30 years ago, was trying to get into this very exclusive golf club I don't know if he got in, but maybe he did get in. I can't remember. But it was like very important to get into the rich ass golf club. You know, it was very exclusive. Like, it's just a bunch of people deciding whether you're in or not. You know, it has nothing to do with you. You're just who you are. That doesn't change. You're, you're who you are. If, if these people let you in or they don't, it's just a bunch of people voting on you. You know, it's, it's the whole thing is so dumb. These guys have been out of football like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a, a paycheck. I guess if you're in the Hall of Fame, it gives you an extra paycheck. Like, you can go on the circuit i guess more your your stock your autograph is worth more maybe i don't know but barring like some direct monetary thing which is also kind of petty i mean it's great of course everyone wants more money it's like who gives a shit your career is over 30 years ago you did what you did it's just some people's opinion that's all it is yeah validation i don't know but it seemed like bill cower and jimmy johnson cried if he certainly got excited about it so i don't know if it matters a ton to them then so what i mean it matters a lot to them then it matters a lot to them well, I, but, uh, I think it's i think it's shallow you know it's shallow to be to be dependent on that kind of stuff i think dependent on it yeah i know i hear you i, I understand what you're saying i i, I, I tell you. did you have anything else uh, you wanted to touch on specifically uh list yes oh week? yes okay I got a bunch of stuff right, i wrote it. it down All i right. even wrote some stuff down because i don't oh, know wow So I'm sure you've seen this, but Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren alleged that Bernie Sanders told her in a private discussion in December of 2018 that a woman could not win the presidency. Now, it seems pretty obvious that Bernie Sanders, A, does not believe that, and B, even if he did secretly believe that, would certainly not say that to a, a fellow candidate who could publicize it. So... The likelihood that he would say that to Elizabeth Warren seems almost zero. Tulsi Gabbard came out and said, you know, she told Bernie she was running a year ago and he was completely encouraging, never said a negative word. Mm. He also encouraged Warren to run in 2015 against Hillary, and he only ran after Warren did not run. Uh, he figured one of them should run and primary Hillary, and she did not. And he had said, like, actually, the quote that a woman could be president in like 1990 or something. He's on tape saying that. So the odds that he said that to me are slim. 
And then Warren fabricated being of Native American ancestry. So she's already been full of shit. Straight up, that's a straight up lie that she used to like get into Harvard or like to advance herself. It wasn't just like a a one off at a cocktail party or something. It was like a serious lie that she carried for a while. So I I find that very, I don't find that credible that he would say that. And I think that her, her can't, she's, she's done. Like, that's it. It was like a desperate Hail Mary. It was a mistake. Yeah, and, it's just desperation, right? What is her end game there? I really don't get it there, but I, mean, I guess it's would desperation. Be to, to, you know, Bernie's sexist. And so Make him if Biden bad. collapses because he's too brain dead and if Mayor Pete can't be foisted on the electorate uh, by the corporatists, then who's left standing? I mean, it would be Warren or Bernie, right? I mean, if, if they could like, then, eliminate Bernie, she'd be right. the progressive left standing, the apparent progressive left standing. And she's but going all in with this, though. Did you see the handshake? I mean, she, she you know, ignored the handshake. Well, he tried to – because I'm with you. That's well, the other question right, is – Like a thousand percent over, like, what's obviously hap- occurred there. I'm with you there. Like, that That seems just, like, open and shut case. Yeah, and, and not only that, but uh, – and so two other things about it. So the handshake, right? Somebody pointed out, this guy Aaron Mate, who uh, I follow on Twitter. He said, if this happened in December of 2018 – how many times has she shaken his hand between now and then? All of a sudden, now she's not going to shake his hand because she told the press? Like, this doesn't make any sense, right? Like, it's just, it's just very bizarre, okay? And then the other thing is, I don't know if you saw the CNN debate. Did you see the CNN question about it? Um, oh, yes, like how they, how totally biased. Yeah, they, they led it to where, like, it was factual that it happened, right? Yeah, dude, it's the crazy, and the New York Times did it too, but CNN did it the craziest. They said to Bernie, Bernie, did you say to... Senator Warren, that a woman cannot win the election. He said, no, I did not. How did you feel? And she How said, when like? Bernie said that to you, da 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 da, da. <laughs> What? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just the craziest thing ever. So CNN, I mean, it's just, they, they're dying. You know, I mean, I would, it's a dying brand. You know, it's just, that's just a, it's not a credible thing. It's an entertainment venue that's getting less entertaining. No, did you see that also this, uh, to counter you, someone pointed out to us that Bernie's, all of his aides, like, locked their Twitter accounts? Like, what's up with that? Maybe possibly scrubbing or something? Or is that a nothing burger? I, I thought that was because one of his aides went totally insane and started talking about how we're going to re-educate people to not be Nazis and we're going to force them into re-education. It was like some crazy, like, fascist Bernie supporter oh, okay, who wanted to okay. like, gotcha. re-educate all the, uh, the Trump, the MAGA guys. And that went around. I mean, it's just one like small time local organizer guy. And obviously that dude's going to get fired because he's saying some real crazy shit. But I, I think it might have had to do with that. But I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not really. And then I was sad to see my guy, Andrew Yang, didn't even make the debate. They were out in force, the Yang gang out in front of Levi's Stadium, too. And there's like a real groundswell, like uh, Ted Bell said, you know, in the Bay Area. But not even making the, uh, that debate is probably probably not a great sign. There are three real you know, candidates. Actually, so you Bernie. considered him one of the three real candidates. Yeah, exactly. I saw that you said that, man. But what do you think? Do you think that it doesn't matter that he's not even – didn't make the debate then? Because, I mean, I saw that you said that. Uh, I don't – it might matter a little bit. There's some people who would probably – he would benefit from them, you know, seeing him up there. And Tulsi also didn't do it. But there's three real candidates. There's Tulsi Gabbard, who has real support for her ideas and her stances and her track record. There's Andrew Yang, who has real support for his ideas and his, you know, business – you know, what he brings to the table is a guy who's an entrepreneur and there's Bernie who has real support. And I feel like the rest of the shit is just astroturf. It's just, you know, media, corporate media spinning this and that. And you're starting to see it. You're starting to see Warren falling off. You're start. you saw Cory Booker quit. You saw Kamala Harris quit. They just don't have real support. It's astroturf shit. Corporate media thinks maybe this could be, you know, it's like the Backstreet Boys or, uh, what was the one before them? New Kids on the Block. It's just like some band that was put together by a record company, record company executives. It's not a real thing, you know. It's not. It's it's like they they cast these people to be a mega band, and it used to work. You know, you used to be able to figure out who to pick, and they'd groom them, and they would, you know, foist that person on the electorate. But social media, it's just it's a different era. So I think there's three real candidates. I think it's Bernie, Yang, Tulsi. And Bernie's by far the biggest. Tulsi and and Yang are just, they have small but intense followings, but they've got real followings. And so I don't know who's going to win. Maybe the corporatists will succeed and cheat and get superdelegates to get Mayor Pete in there somehow. I don't know. 
it's hard to say what's going to happen. But in my mind, there's like three actual candidates with real, you know, support for their ideas, not just something where it's like, I want to see a woman and she's been cheated and, she, and Bernie said something mean to her. Like, that's not real support. That's emotional identity politics. Bernie, Tulsi, and Yang, it's like their ideas, their policies. They actually have people who know what they stand for, know their track records, and believe that they would be good for the country. Whether they're right or Man, wrong, didn't Hillary, that's a separate issue. Didn't Hillary really hurt Bernie last time, too? It's always, that's crazy. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the court media just wants to manipulate you. Bernie's a sexist, you can't, they, they don't want to actually, the, the policies that the, the oligarchs who own the corporate media favor do not favor people. So the worst thing for them would be like, let's line up the people we want and their policies and the other people that have popular support and their policies and hash that out. That's a loser. That's a total loser for the corporate media. So they're, so they're going to get people to support, well, don't you want the first female candidate to win? Well, not Tulsi. No, no, no. Tulsi, she's, she's a, a Putin uh, stooge. You know, they're going to smear her. Couldn't be her, right? But one that's acceptable. And they're just going to get people emotional over it. And it works to some extent, but I just think, I don't think in 2020 it's going to work. I, don't, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I think Bernie's going to win yeah. now the Democratic nomination, or he's going to get cheated in such an. He's going to get cheated the way that Epstein was suicided. Like, it's going to be like, what? The tape disappeared? You know, it's going to be something so egregious that it's the end. You know, it's just the end of the, that, well, that that's type what of process. Well, that's what I was getting at. Wasn't one of the Last time was bad, but this time, if they're going to beat him, it's going to be worse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you think that's, a, that's the end of, of Warren's candidacy, believe? I think so. I, I, think that, I think that there's people who are just going to double down on her because they're going to see her as like a victim and how unfair it is and all that, but... I don't think that's a large coalition. I think the people that were hoping that, okay, well, if Bernie doesn't win, Warren is also a progressive and she's done good work going after that Wells Fargo douchebag and some going after Wall Street. Like, I think a lot of people were hoping, well, if, if Bernie's too old or you know, he had a heart attack, like maybe she would be okay. And I think that the people who are serious, I mean serious people, people who look at policy, not people who are just emotional and the orange man's terrible and the most he's Hitler, you know, not this... You know, not this comic book version of politics, but just sober, like, okay, well, her politics are close enough, and she seems like a decent person, and we can overlook this Native American thing was a bizarre thing, but let's just give her a pass on that. I think the sober person is not, I think she's done. I think she needed that person. I think she had that person. I think she could have won, but I think she blew it. Um, quickly, do you have any thoughts on, on the, the Iran situation? Like there's a narrative out there that, oh, we called their bluff and like, you know, it's over like, uh, or obviously think it's just a slow play and, and do you have, just have any thoughts at all? Well, I, I said it last week, right? I said, that's one of the same thing angles, yeah. right? We called their bluff. We slapped them down and that's the end of that. Maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're going to do something three months to really screw us and we're going to regret it. I don't know. I don't know enough about the players in the region. I don't know enough about the game. Just kind of like, I don't think the people saying all that shit last week know much either. And so, you know, I did get the uh, the Niners cover right, though, even though I... <laughs> that's right. No, that's I, all I did, fair. I, was, I actually was, did come across people in my real life, I guess, maybe why I'm bringing it up again, that were totally on that side. Like, 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 like you know, though they called their bluff. Like, you know, it's over. That would have happened. And I'm like, come on, man, really? And like, that's, I don't know. That seems... I really did come across that after we talked. But yes, I, I, I It's okay. plausible. It's plausible to me. It's also plausible that this is a big mistake. I mean... I heard another thing saying that the Iran deal was set to expire in like 12 years. And so even though it stopped them from producing a weapon now, it was going to be a problem down the road and that it was only stopping them from developing you know, the last generation of technology. And they were still doing research on the current generation of nuclear technology and that they were going to be in the nuclear club 12 years from now. I mean, some people could argue that well, so what? We're in the nuclear club. Who are we to say who can and can't be? Like, you know, it's, it's not up to us, right? Like, they're a sovereign country. Other people say, no way, it's way too dangerous. Who knows? I don't know if they're more dangerous than, than we are. But we're the only ones that ever use nuclear weapons on anybody. But maybe they're 10 times more dangerous than us and would use them at a drop of a hat. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they would also be very uh, reluctant to use them. But the point is that somebody argued that, that the deal was crap and that... It yeah. was just a short-term yeah. thing. And I'm not sure if that's true because I didn't have the... I was too lazy to look up the actual terms of the deal. But 
I just, I don't know, you know, and I, I don't want to become an expert in this particular area. I just know that the hot takes last week, I, I watch all the football games and I don't know who's going to cover a given week. I'm very skeptical of these agenda, these very motivated by one agenda pundits telling, saying with certainty that this is a great thing that Trump did, or this is a huge mistake that he did. I just don't think they know. And you got to see how it plays out over the long term. We just don't know. This is not a, this is not something that's a win or a loss in a week, right? Because what are the secondary effects? What are the three months, six months, two year, five year effects? Something we can't know. Totally. Um, all right. I have a couple health questions on my mind and let's see if anything else on your mind before. Did you anything else? Uh, a list? couple things, a couple other things. All right. So, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Joe Biden was asked by somebody who said his dad, you know, his health care got really expensive under Obamacare is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And Biden's response was basically something to the effect of, uh, you know, nobody really understood Obamacare. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious because it was I thought it was actually a good response from Biden. He said something like, you know, we were trying to do X, Y and Z, but nobody really understood what would happen. I think that's like it's an indictment of Obamacare, which right. I, oh, yeah. I, I was paying yeah. through the ass for everything. But it was just sort of a hilarious thing. He was like, nobody really understands Obamacare to the dude. Like, nobody knows what the hell that (laughs) monstrosity is that enriched the uh, insurance companies. Wasn't the Clinton healthcare thing also like 10,000 pages or something? It was insane, too, that that plan, whatever, back in the day. But uh, that is funny. I did not hear that. All this this bullshit. I mean, all these people, they're just, they're just, their clients are the corporations, right? The people that, I mean, now it's getting different because social media, you, it's really made a, it's for the better by far that, that like these, it just doesn't work, the old playbook. And the final, final thing is, um, so we talked about this vaguely, but there was the whole repo market uh, infusion of cash by the, the Fed in September and throughout the fall. I think they put in like $400 billion or more to these repo markets. And basically banks lend each other overnight money and they weren't trusting each other. I don't know the exact, all the details, but basically, you know, Instead of just printing money, like the bailouts when Lehman collapsed, they sort of that was sort of a big thing that was publicly known and debated. This just kind of was under the radar. Like they just printed like a ton of money, like half the amount of the bailouts just this fall to preserve the system. And now uh, they're talking about printing money uh, to bail out hedge funds, to loan money to hedge funds. You're thinking like hedge funds? Those are like the rapacious, richest private sector capitalists in the world, why would we bail out a hedge fund with government, with taxpayer money? What the, what the hell's going on here? But it's this thing, I, I read a quote where the guy said, if you owe the bank 100000 that's your problem. If you owe the bank $10 billion, that's their problem, right? <laughs> and so these banks, I guess, like, <laughs> are, true. They, they, they've lent out so much money to these hedge funds that are doing, you know, gambling basically with money they don't have and levered up that if these hedge funds collapse, the bank's could get wiped out. And so they're thinking of just capitalizing the hedge funds directly, which is just the most insane form of socialism for the, not only the rich, the irresponsible rich. We're not bailing out some rich baron who owns a bunch of land and is, you know, invested in S and P 500 index. We're, we're basically bailing out a high stakes gambler who's rich and got rich high stakes gambling. We're bailing out these guys. So it's a under the radar story, but uh, it may be that something bad, you're not going to even consider bailing out these hedge funds unless the system is on the brink. You're not even, that's like, that means that they're very scared of what might happen. So just a sort of an ominous sign. Just want to throw that out there. All right. I'll, yeah. It looks like a Bitcoin o'clock is what it sounds like. Um, that's, well, it's been going up. I don't know if you've been paying yeah, attention. Yeah. Uh, how, what is it right now? It's like 8,800. Are you still been stacking okay. sats? All right. Um, a little bit. Maybe I, not as, I should do more according to you. Every day. It sounds like. Cost average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I ordered some fish oil and you're such a big time. You won't even respond to me. I ask you, is this the kind of oh, seconds forgot. out of your Sorry. goddamn Sorry. life to just respond and say yes or no, but Jesus. Um, yeah, and that was I, fine. Uh, Sorry. I, I okay. was going to respond and then I thought I did. I, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm like reluctant to even bother you with emails because you're so Chris anyway, but the coffee grinder I got, and you were right. That was super simple. I got some, uh, some crazy look, I call it the bone of air of coffee from Wisconsin, this company, and it's, it's delicious and fresh and good call with that. All right, man, almost done. Uh, all I have for you left is, uh, I don't know if you watched it, but it was pretty good t- TV. The greatest of all time, Jeopardy. Um, 
Kim Jennings beat my guy James. Uh, that was pretty fun uh, tournament. All the Oscar nominations came out. Joker as the most, which I think is is horrible. Um, and I just started the Aaron Hernandez Netflix documentary. It's three episodes, and the first one just totally riveting. And um, so I'm halfway through that, and I would recommend that some some crazy stuff with Aaron Hernandez. And then Curb Your Enthusiasm, the greatest television show of all time, comes back Sunday night. Um, yeah, let's be we're nearly an hour with just two games, and you sufficiently I, I jinxed thing. my 49ers. You sufficiently jinxed my 49ers. Is my biggest takeaway of this catastrophe of a podcast. You you being the sole reason my Niners are going to lose. But uh, what's your one more thing? My one more thing is there's a documentary called Seven Up, 14 Up. The up yeah, I was going to ask you that. I Googled it after you brought this up when we stopped recording last week, and I couldn't even find it. So I actually meant to bring that up off stage. Okay, so Seven Up. Okay, I must have done the wrong name. So it's it's the Up series, and it's on some British thing, though. It's hard. Heather, like, did some, you know, we're out here. I don't know how. It's probably accessible somehow. And it's really repetitive because... They start in 1963, following these seven-year-olds, and then they follow them in 19 or 19 whatever, and it's like 1970, and then 77, then 84, 91, 98, 2005, 2012, and now basically, and they track their whole life. The filmmaker's like too old now; he's like 80 something, 90 something, and it's redundant because like when they when they did like the ones in the 70s and the 80s, they had to cut in so much footage from the 60s because they didn't think somebody could just click on a little clip and then go, you know, they, they didn't want you to, you couldn't just VHS every, it was like hard. It was hard to watch the old stuff. So they, it was very repetitive. So you see a lot of the clips many times because it, you know, back then you, you were seeing the movie for the first time in the eighties or whatever, you know, so you had to like see who they were at each age, but it's pretty deep, man. I don't know. It's not like, it's like some of them are sad. Some of them are encouraging, but it's not really that. It's just, holy fuck. And, and because it gets all the way through a time before, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and everybody's talking to a camera, it's way more real. And you really see these people like as from seven year olds become adults. It's pretty trippy. And uh, yeah, I need to figure out how to big, watch that. It's, it's a big effort. It's kind of the thing that you would do while you're doing your work, like in the background, because, again, it's repetitive and it's not like a plot where you need to see every little thing. But. You're like, how's this guy going to turn out? What's going to happen with this guy? You see them having trouble in their teenage years and their twenties. You're like, so you're going to like, what's going to happen seven years later? You know, it's it's really kind of riveting. Like, what is going to happen to these people? Yeah, I know that's why I watch most TV anyway. But I like the concept. You know, I dug the movie Boyhood. Loved Hoop Dream. This is that such a good documentary. It's like nth level. It's Boyhood was yeah. like kind of okay. cool the way they did that, but this is like from seven to sixty three. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm intrigued. Sounds uh. Sounds good, man. All right, Liz. Good stuff. And uh, go Niners, man. Niners. Later, man. Later. Later, dude.